Welcome to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We are located at 3501 Cheviot Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45211. It is our mission to worship God and follow Jesus as we love and serve in His name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come see us sometime at 1030 on a Sunday morning or each Wednesday as we feed the community at 530 p.m. We hope the following message inspires you in some way. Well, we are working through the book of Acts. I encourage you to be reading along. Uh, right now, we're going to be in chapter 7, but we're also going to look back at chapter 6 for context as we work into what we're talking about today with Stephen testifying again before the Sanhedrin. I can't stress enough the importance of faithful Bible reading and how much more you'll receive from Sunday's worship time if you come to church having read the story and some familiarity with it. One of the things that we encourage you with is this. If you were given the opportunity to preach a sermon on Acts 7, 1 through 16, what would you say? How would you express these truths? And what would jump out at you? Because of what we've been taught, because of what we've experienced, because of how we engage with Jesus, each of us are given different lenses to see things. And it's important to be able to be fluent in sharing uh, what you're reading. So, again, right now we're in chapter 7. We're going to be quickly finishing up uh, chapter 8. And then chapter 9 is where we really meet Saul. Uh, we're going to meet uh, Saul at the end of chapter 7 here, but in chapter 9, that's when Saul becomes Paul, and a lot of the things uh, that we know and kind of rest on uh, in the New Testament start their foundational pieces there in Acts. So I would encourage you guys, right now I'll be reading chapters 6, 7, and 8, but in the next couple weeks it'll be uh, 8, 9, and 10, and kind of we're moving through that. And I would encourage you guys to read 8, 9, and 10, or 6, 7, and 8 right now, at least once a week. But I would encourage you guys to read 1 through 8 once a week as well, just to remind us of the, the flow of the story. Because the Bible was not meant to just take pieces out. It was meant to be read and learned and understood as a story. And it's much richer that way. It is more difficult, but it's much richer. And that's why we wrestle with it together in community. That's a large part of what Life Groups does. Uh, I feel awkward often preaching uh, because really in our context, there's not a lot of time for you to engage uh, with that. But that's what Life Groups is. It allows you to hear, note, agree, disagree, see a different angle, and then we discuss it together. And it's really uh, rich and beautiful. Let's pray as we begin today. Lord Jesus, uh, be in our hearts, be in us and amongst us. Uh, thank you for uh, the spirit of worship uh, that you specifically uh, gave the girls and allowing them those words and giving them those words and putting them to music and uh, teaching us about you, about how we see ourselves in you and that it's a daily walk, a daily opportunity, a daily privilege to be your children, to call you Lord, to worship you as our God. Uh, allow the words today to be uh, easy to understand. Give me a uh, good remembrance of the things that, that 
a good remembrance of the things that we spent time together with this week. Allow us to walk away proud to know you, grateful that we're loved, joyful that we know our Creator. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to follow along, we're uh, in Acts chapter 6 right now, which is on page 1,699 of the Bibles there on the chairs. The sermon today is entitled, Because of Jesus. Admittedly, it's going to take a minute to get there, so just be patient. Uh, We're going to figure out what that is. We don't know very much about Stephen. In fact, he's only really mentioned in Acts chapters 6 and 7. Uh, but what, from what is said, uh, we learn a lot about him. And we can not only have a lot of information about him, but we can also infer a lot. So one thing about Stephen is we know he was a Hellenist Jewish Christian. And maybe you don't know what that means. And that's where I can come in to help. Sorry. Being a Hellenist Jewish Christian means that he was a Jew. He had accepted Christ as his Lord, but he was not raised in Jerusalem. He was raised outside of Jerusalem. So he was raised in Greek culture. Although he was raised as a Jew in the middle of Greek culture and he has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, you can think now how much that builds into his context. His primary language was not the Jewish language of Aramaic. His primary language was Greek. He was raised around all the customs good and bad, of the Greeks. But he's also come to faith as a Jewish man in Jesus. I think we can relate a little bit to Stephen here, see if we can get this, that Stephen was raised outside of the Jewish primary influence, outside of the primary Jewish culture, just like we are serving Christ in an increasingly non-Christian culture. That's something that we just need to be able to know as true. Our culture is not getting closer to Christ. And so when we try to compare ourselves to culture, we're already way a step behind. Many steps behind. And so, Stephen, confessing Christ being Jewish, but also knows what it's like to be raised in a culture outside of that. We can read in Acts chapter 6, and I'm just going to read some of the things that we know about Stephen, and it kind of increases, increasingly gets more and more beautiful as we go. Think about what this says about Stephen. They were having a trouble in this rapidly expanding young Christian Jesus following church in Jerusalem. People were selling their property. People were giving of their goods for the greater whole to provide not only for the Jewish Christians living in Jerusalem, but for all of those that had accepted Christ and stayed in Jerusalem because they wanted to be a part of this budding church. 
They wanted to be identified with Christ. And this was the epicenter of Christianity in this time. And so a lot of people had left their homelands. And so what the church says, well, I, I have some extra things. Take these. Will these help? I have some extra food. I have some extra clothes. Here's a piece of property that we sold. See if this can help. But what happened is, it's not unlike us. Like We're not outside of making mistakes. The Jewish widows started getting priority over the non-Jewish widows. And there was a problem. Somebody raised their hand. Like uh, All things are equal in Christ. We're all one in Christ. Doesn't really seem like it. Because Greek widow here isn't getting the same as Jewish widow here. I think it's a problem. What do you think? And the apostles got together and said, yeah, you're right. That's, that's all not. That's, that's a miss. And what they did, humbly, is they fixed it. And encourage that to all of us. When you come in contact with something that you've not done well, don't beat yourself up. Just do better. Admit it. Apologize. Forgiveness. Move forward. Good example here. But here we see that this Jewish Christian of Greek culture was chosen by the church to be one of the people that makes sure that everything is distributed well, fairly, and in Jesus' name. That says a lot about Stephen already, that in this greatly expanded church, he was one of the ones chosen to help, to lead, and serve. We also learned that he was ordained, or uh, this, the Bible says that the, the apostles laid their hands on these men. Stephen was one of those, in order to ordain them for the ministry that they had agreed to do. We know that Stephen, and, and here's some things here. I'm just going to put all of these up here. It's supposed to be overwhelming as you read this. So I'm going to just put everything on the screen at once so it is. In just short five verses, we talk about how Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of wisdom. He was full of faith in God. He was full of God's grace and power. And these aren't my words. These are taken right from the Holy Scriptures. To describe the type of person Stephen was. And I want to get into this a minute here. And I want you to be clear what Luke, the author, is trying to get us to understand about Stephen, the deacon, the servant, the ordained minister, that he was all of these things because he submitted to God. He was all of these things because God was alive in him. Because he submitted to God. We've said this before and we know this. We have a lordship of self problem. It is our built-in need. It is our character flaw that we are constantly tempted to promote ourselves and be all about me. And that goes in direct conflict with a humble, submissive relationship with God where we bow before Him and say, we are here for your way to follow you, your right. You have the code. You have the way. And so the Bible wants us to know that Stephen is all of these things because he's submitted to the Holy Spirit. That none of these things come to him apart from God. That he was filled with wisdom and faith and grace and power because he submitted to God. And that can be true for us. 
Because of the Holy Spirit in him, God allowed him, Jesus allowed him, the gift of the Holy Spirit allowed him to perform signs and wonders. And always remember that the signs and wonders were never the message. They were only meant to confirm the message. And it's the same way with us. We do our good deeds before men so they may see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. It's the deeds and the signs and the wonders aren't the message. Jesus is the message. And the signs and the wonders point and confirm the message that when Christians act like Christ, you can start believing what they're saying. When Stephen was doing Jesus-like things and God-like things, maybe I'm going to tune in a little bit and I can trust Him more because he's doing God things. That's the point of this. And this is what we know about Stephen. But there's more. He faced opposition from the Jews. Remember, the Jews were family, so it was internal opposition. That often feels different than external opposition. For anyone that knows what it feels like to be attacked, or someone that you love, you know what it feels like for them to be attacked. Where that attack is coming from matters internally for us. When we're, being, when we're being attacked by our family or from an unexpected flank, I've made myself vulnerable to my family, those I love, and I'm being attacked by them. I didn't see it coming. It feels different than when an enemy or an opponent is attacking me. It just, it just does. You know this. He was being attacked by his brothers and sisters of Jewish heritage. He knows what that's like. This is where I want to just pause for a second here and take a deep breath and say this is possible for us. And these are road flares, warning signs, blinking lights, red lights, police officers doing this, stop, stop, stop. When we are tempted to do things in secret against other people, we, we need to have so, some warning bell go off. As soon as deceit starts to be the way that we see that we can best get our way, pray to God that you are tripped up and, and it comes to light quickly. But these people secretly, behind closed doors, intentionally, deceitfully, privately, brought people together and persuaded them to lie against Stephen. He was being attacked from within. But they didn't stop there. Then they took that secret, quiet lie and they went out to the people and started distributing it like it's true and they stirred up the people intentionally to harm Stephen. We have that in us. When things aren't going our way or we don't like the way it's going, we have it in us to harm the people that we feel like are opposing us. And we see humanity on display in Acts chapter 6. The ugliest kind. Where we're hurting our own for whatever the selfish reason. And I just want to say to us, if you start feeling the temptation to deceive and to be secretive, and behind closed doors, and I hope nobody finds out, and make sure you don't tell. Listen, y'all, pray to God that His Spirit will come upon you and just convict you. We are meant to be people of set, set apart, 
on a hill, uncovered, lights shining. We're not meant to be secretive and quiet and deceitful and manipulative, but we are tempted that way. Can we admit that? And we see what Stephen now is dealing with here. Finally, it came down to where Stephen was seized. To me, uh, that doesn't mean, hey, do you mind coming over and let's have a talk. That, that word's different. That's taken. That's force. That's without a choice. That's... You understand what I'm saying? So he was seized and then he was taken before the Sanhedrin. And I want to make sure we get this point clear. And this is just to understand the context. This is the same group of people that cried, crucify. The same ones. This is the same group of people that not too many weeks ago threatened, imprisoned, flogged, and beat Peter and John. It's the same group. Can you get some context for what Stephen is dealing with and what's going on here? This isn't the finest hour for the Jewish Christian community. For those that have been set apart from God and chosen by God to be family with God, they're not putting their best foot forward here. I want to make this point here. It says it in verse 13. Is that the people, they gathered false witnesses and they produced testimony. And this goes to what I was just saying here. Lies are things we produce. Truth is just something that we tell. And I want to encourage all of us and hold me accountable too. Please hold me accountable. I want to be a truth teller, not a lie producer. When you're telling the truth, you just have to tell the truth. But when you lie, it has to engage this creative side of your brain and you've got to remember all of this stuff and who you told and, and what you told and how much you told and why you told. It's not God's way for us. God's way is transparency and integrity and honesty and clarity and truth-telling. It's not what we see here. Let's be people that tell the truth. What we see here, uh, just in summary, is that Stephen's convictions, his teachings, his spirit-led preaching and healings and miracles and signs and, and wonders, they were all done through the Holy Spirit. All done to point people to Jesus. And that infuriated the Jewish leaders. So much so that they lied and deceived and false witness and produced witnesses and false testimony and seized him and questioned him and all of these things. Because it butted up against, his message was butting up against what they had always held as true. Listen to me here. Because it butted up against what they always held as true as true. I can't say enough good about the lessons that Steve shared with us last week. 
I listen to the podcast. If any of you guys ever miss a message, please go back and listen to it uh, on the Central Church of Christ podcast. And you can get that podcast in a lot. However you get podcasts, you can get that. The things that I took as I was, I went for a long walk, a really long walk. It was like, it was a very, very long sermon. So I had to keep walking and walking. No, it was very, very good. But what, what Steve said was, he admitted courageously that he held, had, had, he held long-held beliefs about who the Holy Spirit of God was and what the Holy Spirit of God did. And he courageously told us that he's changed his mind on that. But here's the other thing that's so beautiful and truth and, and, and honorable about what Steve did. He didn't change his beliefs because culture. He didn't change his beliefs because willy-nilly. He didn't change his beliefs just because it helped him, gave him what he wanted. He changed his beliefs because he saw it was true in Scripture. And then in that Scripture, he saw confirmation in his life. And these are the things that are happening to Stephen. Stephen had all of these long-held beliefs as well, but he saw Jesus. He heard Jesus. He saw the resurrection. He saw the evidence. He was convicted by the truth, and he changed his mind. And then he took the next step like Steve. He courageously was willing to share that he had changed his mind. Y'all, that's not easy. But it is commendable. It's important. And I want to say, if you've believed something because you always have, it doesn't mean it's wrong, but it doesn't mean it's right either. And we don't change our beliefs in God because culture is changing or because willy-nilly or because it helps me feel better about something. We've got to base our faith in Scripture, in prayer, in the Holy Spirit, and wrestling together. Something to take very seriously. And I'm proud and thankful that Steve was willing to give us another example of how to wrestle with faith and courageously share. I want to make that connection between Steve and Stephen is that this was hard for, for Stephen here in the Bible too. He was a Jew. He cut his teeth on the law and the prophets. Because he was a Jewish young man, he had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. It was just standard fare. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He knew it all. Memorized it. He went to synagogue. He had all the high holy days. He did the Passover thing. He celebrated all of these things. But when he got confronted with the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, and when he submitted to the Holy Spirit, things changed for Stephen. And he started seeing Jesus in all of the things that he had learned. He started seeing Jesus in the Passover, and in Abraham, and in Joseph, and in Moses. And he courageously was willing to tell what he was learning. How he was starting to see Jesus in the Holy Scriptures. How he, Stephen, started to see Jesus as Lord. Interestingly, and this was, I didn't know this. I learned this through studying for this. The main thing that 
that Stephen said that got him seized was about the temple. And what Stephen was saying is, God is so big, he can't just live in the temple. He's got to be bigger than this. Well, they changed around what he was saying and made it, whatever, against the law of Moses and all these things. Whatever, that's just a side note that you can learn more about. But what Stephen was saying is that God is bigger than this place. That God is in all of us. And it's so funny to me and interesting because Solomon, Solomon, way back Solomon, who built the temple that his dad had designed, he said the same thing. In 2 Chronicles, there's no way this temple is enough for you. There's no way this temple can house you. You're bigger than this. How could we ever expect you to stay just here? How quickly we forget sometimes, right? That even our forefathers are saying these things. I was interested by that. And it made me reflect on why we do what we do and why I do what I do. Thinking through this. So with relatively few words, we learn so much about Stephen. How he handled this scary and intimidating, this aggressive, frankly, this manufactured situation that landed him before the Jewish leading party that had crucified Christ, that had whipped and seized and flogged and beaten Peter and John. A big sigh of relief. We are finally now in Acts chapter 7. I'm going to be quickly here. Some of the things that I see that God's Holy Spirit allowed Stephen to handle this very, very difficult situation well. Stephen remained calm. Very unusual. People are drumming up people against you, stirring up people against you, lying about you, dragging you in front of the the courts. Just another day, right? No big deal. Yeah, sorry, it's no big deal. Like, I'm not going to be calm in that situation. Something unjust has been done. Something unfair has been done. And not only that, but it's been done to me. You get me fired up. But that's not what we see here with Stephen. Is that somehow, he was able to remain calm. And even in Acts chapter 6, is that all of the Sanhedrin looked at him and says his face looked like that of an angel. In our Western culture, I think we're tempted to, to think of a chubby little baby in a diaper with wings. But that's not their image of an angel. That, that's not their image. They didn't have Cupid or whatever it was. I don't know. Their view of an angel was powerful and confident. Don't be afraid, but I'm about to tell you something from God. That's probably more what the Bible's referring to here. So just get the chubby diaper wing baby and think of strong, confident, God-telling angel. But he was calm. And I want to encourage us with, with this, is that he was repeating what his Savior was doing. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus says, when you, when you go before 
people and people persecute you and they assault you, they say crazy things about you, just know that the Holy Spirit will be with you and you won't have to worry about what you have to say. This is an example of Stephen believing Jesus. This is an example of Stephen believing Jesus so much so that he's putting it into practice. It's also an example of, of Stephen hearing Jesus' words. Well, this is actually kind of a good thing. Because blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. And Stephen, I think, here is believing, well, okay. I'm good. The Holy Spirit's with me. He's going to speak for me. And I'm kind of in the spot that I'm supposed to be in. I must be doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. It's confirming for him. And in that confirmation, he was able to stay calm. Because of Jesus, Stephen was able to respond with respect. And I want to encourage all of us with this. Let's be respectful people. Even when people are doing nasty, harm, harmful, hurtful things, let's be respectful. It speaks volumes. When you respond with respect rather than with aggression, it messes people up. It calms the whole situation down. When you're getting yelled at and you just take a step back and ma'am and sir and I'm sorry and I apologize and how can I help and didn't mean to, and it disarms things. And we see Stephen doing that because of Jesus. He was able to be respectful and we see that in Acts chapter 7 verses 1 and 2 just on how he addresses them. He says, brothers and fathers, equal and respectful. Very, very, very intelligent way of handling and diffusing a difficult situation. We also see in Mark chapter 14, in the same way, and this is at the very end of, the, uh, of Mark's gospel about Jesus, as Jesus is being questioned, it says he was quiet before his accusers. But he was also honest and respectful. When they asked him if he was the king, he used a God word. He said, I am. And everybody, everybody knew that he was confidently, calmly telling the truth that I am he. I am God. I am Yeshua. I am divine. I am holy. I am creator. And at those calm, respectful, honest, confident words, they'd heard enough. I want us to see Stephen following Jesus and doing Jesus things just like we're supposed to. Finally, I want to spend just a minute here. This is the same group that cried crucify. It's the same group that Jesus taught. It's the same group that seized uh, Peter and John. It's the same people. And what does Stephen do? He's willing to tell them the story again. Let's never, ever give up on anyone. On anyone. Ever. Let's always believe that it might be the opportunity for them to confess Christ. It might be the opportunity for their hearts to be changed. It might be the opportunity, and we saw that last week, as even some of the priests 
started confessing Christ and leaving the Sanhedrin and being coming, becoming a part of this budding church. I think we learn a lot about Stephen and we learn a lot about what we're supposed to do, that he was willing to subject himself to harm but tell the story again as, a, as an emphasis that I'm going to give you another chance to see the Jesus that is in all of these scriptures that you hold so close. He was willing to love them. He was willing to tell them. He was willing to show them. And let's constantly find the energy and the want to to love people still and never, ever give up on anyone. And know that no one is outside of the loving grace of Jesus Christ. And today might be their day. This is so very wise. What Stephen does is the Sanhedrin primarily only believed in the Torah, the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. And that's exactly where he goes to tell the story. He starts from a known, and he works with them through this. Specifically, we see Jesus doing this on the road to Emmaus. After his resurrection, he, he appears before these two disciples that are walking, and it says that he started with where they were, and then he showed them in the prophets and the law everything as it pertained to himself. Whoa! And that's what Stephen is doing here at the Sanhedrin. Because he believes that Jesus Christ is Lord, that because Jesus Christ is God, he's able to now look back into the Holy Scriptures and see the Jesus things. And the example that he most readily gives in this first part of the speech, he makes connections with Joseph. That both Jesus and Joseph were plotted against by their brothers. That both of them foretold of their future exaltation. They were, that they were both stripped of their robes. That they were both betrayed and sold for silver. That in Jesus and Joseph, we see that both of them uh, chose to forgive and save, that both of them used God's betrayal to save lives, that both Jesus and Joseph had the power to condemn, but they, choose to, they chose to forgive. And so what we see Stephen doing here is telling them a familiar story from one of their forefathers that they hold up high, and he's saying, look at all of the similarities. Do you see how this can be a foretelling for Jesus? Do you see how God was getting us ready for this Savior? Do you notice the similarities here? But he did that by using a scripture that they already had confidence in. He showed him that he had confidence in that scripture too. But now of the resurrection Christ, he could see Jesus in that story. And he was willing to tell. I love Stephen for that. I want to be full of grace. Full of faith. Where it's just pouring out of me. In wisdom that I can share this well so that people can have a life with Christ through the way I live and the way I talk and the way I love and the way I treat. I want this to be true. For me, for you, for our church, for God's church. I want so bad to be calm and respectful. Not get all fired up when it gets personal. But to stay calm. 
See the person that's opposing you as a human being. Don't objectify him and put him down and try to lord over him, but be calm and respectful and, and see him as a person. And I want the power from Jesus to forgive. To not harbor hate and resentment, but to freely forgive as I have been. And I want to have the God-honoring power to keep telling the story for the rest of my life in whatever context that is. That's what I saw in the first part of Acts chapter 7. We're, only, we're not even halfway through Stephen's speech yet. This week we see him attach Jesus with Joseph. Next week we'll see him attach Jesus with Moses. Read Acts chapter 7 this week and see how Stephen wisely, wisely uses a trustworthy scripture to point faithful Jews to Jesus. God bless you all.